Chapter twenty four of the Naval Officer or Scenes in the Life and Adventures of Frank Mildmay. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Asterix. The Naval Officer or Scenes in the Life and Adventures of Frank Mildmay by Captain Frederick Marriott. Chapter Twenty Four. Belmore, you have an opportunity now, madam, to revenge yourself upon him for affronting your squirrel. Belinda, oh, the filthy, rude beast! Araminta, tis a lasting quarrel. Old Bachelor. We sailed the next day, and after one month more of unsuccessful cruising, arrived safe at Halifax where I was informed that an old friend of my father's, Sir Hurricane Humbug, of whom some mention has already been made in this work, had just arrived. He was not in an official character, but had come out to look after his own property. It is absolutely necessary that I should here, with more than usual formality, introduce the reader to an intimate acquaintance with the character of Sir Hurricane sir hurricane had risen in life by his own ingenuity and the patronage of a rich man in the south of england he was of an ardent disposition and was an admirable justice of peace when the argumentum baculinum was required for which reason he had been sent to reduce two or three refractory establishments to order and obedience and by his firmness and good humour succeeded his tact was a little knowledge of everything not like solomon's from the hyssop to the cedar but from the boiler of a potato to the boiler of a steamboat and from catching a sprat to catching a whale he could fatten pigs and poultry and had a peculiar way of improving the size though not the breed of the latter in short he was jack of all trades and master of none i shall not go any farther back with his memoirs than the day he chose to teach an old woman how to make mutton broth he had in the course of an honest discharge of his duty at a certain very dirty seaport town incurred the displeasure of the lower orders generally he nevertheless would omit no opportunity of doing good and giving advice to the poor gratis one day he saw a woman emptying the contents of a boiling kettle out of her door into the street he approached and saw a leg of mutton at the bottom and the unthrifty housewife throwing away the liquor in which it had been boiled good woman said the economical baronet do you know what you are doing a handful of meat a couple of carrots and a couple of turnips cut up into dice and thrown into that liquor with a little parsley would make excellent mutton broth for your family the old woman looked up and saw the ogre of the dockyard and either by losing her presence of mind or by a most malignant slip of the hand she contrived to pour a part of the boiling water into the shoes of sir hurricane the baronet jumped roared hopped stamped kicked off his shoes and ran home damning the old woman and himself too for having tried to teach her how to make mutton broth 
as he ran off the ungrateful hag screamed after him sarves you right teach you to mind your own business the next day in his magisterial capacity he commanded the attendance of the dealer in slops well madam what have you got to say for yourself for scolding one of his majesty's justices of the peace don't you know that i have the power to commit you to maidstone jail for the assault i beg your honour's pardon humbly said the woman i didn't not know it was your honour or i am sure i wouldn't a done it besides i own to your honour i had a drop too much the good-natured baronet dismissed her with a little suitable advice which no doubt the good woman treated as she did that relative to the mutton broth my acquaintance with sir hurricane had commenced at plymouth when he kicked my ship to sea in a gale of wind for fear we should ground on our beef-bones i never forgave him for that my father had shown him great civility and had introduced me to him when at halifax we resided in the same house with a mutual friend who had always received me as his own son he had a son of my own age with whom i had long been on terms of warm friendship and ned and i confederated against sir hurricane having paid a few visits en passant as i landed at the king's wharf shook hands with a few pretty girls and received their congratulations on my safe return i went to the house of my friend and without ceremony walked into the drawing-room do you know sir said the footman that sir hurricane is in his room but he is very busy added the man with a smile busy or not said i i am sure he will see me so in i walked sir hurricane was employed on something but i could not distinctly make out what he had a boot between his knees and the calves of his legs which he pressed together and as he turned his head round i perceived that he held a knife between his teeth leave the door open messmate said he without taking the least notice of me then rising he drew a large black tomcat by the tail out of the boot and flinging it away from him to a great distance which distance was rapidly increased by the voluntary exertion of the cat which ran away as if it had been mad there said he and be damned to you you have given me more trouble than a whole kentucky farmyard but i shall not lose any sleep any more by your damned caterwauling all this was pronounced as if he had not seen me in fact it was a soliloquy for the cat did not stay to hear it ah said he holding out his hand to me how do you do i know your face but damn me if i have not forgot your name my name sir said i is mildmay ah mildmay my noble how do you do how did you leave your father i knew him very well used to give devilish good feeds many a plate i've dirtied at his table don't care how soon i put my legs under it again take care mind which way you put your helm you will be aboard of my chickabiddies and don't run athwart horse i found on looking down that i had a string round my leg which fastened a chicken to the table and saw many more of these little creatures attached to the chairs in the room but for what purpose they were thus domesticated i could not discover these pet chickens of yours sir hurricane said i no said the admiral but i mean them to be pet capons by and by when they come to table i finished a dozen and a half this morning 
besides that damned old tomcat the mystery was now explained and i afterwards found out every man having his hobby that the idiosyncrasy of this officer's disposition had led him to the practice of neutralizing the males of any species of bird or beast in order to render them more palatable at the table well sir he continued how do you like your new ship how do you like your old captain good fellow isn't he damn his eyes countryman of mine i knew him when his father hadn't as much money as would jingle on a tombstone that fellow owes everything to me i introduced him to the duke of blank and he got on by that interest but i say what do you think of the halifax girls nice ain't they i expressed my admiration of them ay ay they'll do won't they we'll have some fine fun give the girls a party at george's island haymaking green gowns ha 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 i say your captain shall give us a party at turtle cove we are going to give the old commissioner a feed at the rockingham blow the roof of his skull off with champagne do you dine at birch cove to-day no i suppose you are engaged to miss maria or miss susan or miss isabella ha sad dog sad dog done a great deal of mischief surveying me from head to foot i took the liberty of returning him the same compliment he was a tall raw-boned man with strongly marked features and a smile on his countenance that no modest woman could endure in his person he gave me the idea of a discharged life-guardsman but from his face you might have supposed that he had sat for one of reuben's satyrs he was one of those people with whom you become immediately acquainted and before i had been an hour in his company i laughed very heartily at his jokes not very delicate i own and for which he lost a considerable portion of my respect but he was a source of constant amusement to me living as we did in the same house i was just going out of the room when he stopped me i say how would you like to be introduced to some devilish nice yankee girls relations of mine from philadelphia and i should be obliged to you to show them attention very pretty girls i can tell you and will have good fortunes you may go farther and fare worse the old dad is as rich as a jew got the gout in both legs can't hold out much longer nice pickings at his money-bags while the devil is picking his bones there was no withstanding such inducements and i agreed that he should present me the next day our dialogue was interrupted by the master of the house and his son who gave me a hearty welcome the father had been a widower for some years and his only son ned resided with him and was intended to succeed to his business as a merchant we adjourned to dress for dinner our bedrooms were contiguous and we began to talk of sir hurricane he is a strange mixture said ned i love him for his good temper but i owe him a grudge for making mischief between me and maria besides he talks balderdash before the ladies and annoys them very much i owe him a grudge too said i for sending me to sea in a gale of wind we shall both be quits with him before long said ned but let us now go and meet him at dinner to-morrow i will set the housekeeper at him for his cruelty to her cat and if i am not much mistaken she will pay him off for it dinner passed off extremely well the admiral was in high spirits and as it was a bachelor's party he earned his wine the next morning we met at breakfast when that was over the master of the house retired to his office or pretended to do so 
i was going out to walk but ned said i had better stay a few minutes he had something to say to me in fact he had prepared a treat without my knowing it how did you sleep last night sir hurricane said the artful ned why pretty well considering said the admiral i was not tormented by that old tomcat damn me sir that fellow was like the grand seigneur and he kept his seraglio in the garret over my bedroom instead of being at his post in the kitchen killing the rats that are running about like coach horses sir hurricane said i it's always unlucky to sailors if they meddle with cats you will have a gale of wind in some shape or another before long these words were hardly uttered when as if by preconcerted arrangement the door opened and in sailed mrs jellybag the housekeeper an elderly woman somewhere in the latitude of fifty-five or sixty years with a low curtsey and contemptuous toss of her head she addressed sir hurricane humbug pray sir hurricane what have you been doing to my cat the admiral who prided himself in putting any one who applied to him on what he called the wrong scent endeavoured to play off mrs jellybag in the same manner what have i done to your cat my dear mrs jellybag why my dear madam said he assuming an air of surprise what should i do to your cat you should have left him alone mr admiral that cat was my property if my master permits you to ill-treat the poultry that's his concern but that cat was mine sir hurricane mine every inch of him the animal has been ill-treated and sits moping in the corner of his fireplace as if he was dying he'll never be the cat he was again i don't think he ever will my dear mrs housekeeper answered the admiral dryly the lady's wrath now began to kindle the admiral's cool replies were like water sprinkled upon a strong flame increasing its force instead of checking it don't dear me sir hurricane i'm not one of your dears your dears are all in dutchtown more shame for you an old man like you old man cried sir hurricane losing his placidity a little yes old man look at your hair as grey as a goose's why as for my hair that proves nothing mrs jellybag for though there may be snow on the mountains there is still heat in the valleys what do you think of my metaphor i am no more a metaphor than yourself sir hurricane but i'll tell you what you are a cock-and-hen admiral a dog-in-the-manger barrow knight who was jealous of my poor tomcat because i won't say what yes sir hurricane all hours of the day you are leering at every young woman that passes out of your windows an old man too you ought to be ashamed of yourself and then you go to church on a sunday and cry good lord deliver us the housekeeper now advanced so close to the admiral that her nose nearly touched his her arms akimbo and every preparation for boarding the admiral fearing she might not confine herself to vocality but begin to beat time with her fists thought it right to take up a position he therefore very dexterously took two steps in the rear and mounted on a sofa his left was defended by an upright piano his right by the breakfast-table with all the tea-things on it his rear was against the wall and his front 
depended on himself in person from this commanding eminence he now looked down on the housekeeper whose nose could reach no higher than the seals of her adversary's watch and in proportion as the baronet felt his security so rose his collar having been for many years proctor at the great universities of point street and blue town as well as member of barbican and north corner he was perfectly qualified in point of classical dialect to maintain the honour of his profession nor was the lady by any means deficient although she had not taken her degree her tongue from constant use had acquired a fluency which nature only concedes to practice it will not be expected nor would it be proper that i should repeat all that passed in this concluding scene in which the housekeeper gave us good reason to suppose that she was not quite so ignorant of the nature of the transaction as she would have had us believe the battle having raged for half an hour with great fury both parties desisted for want of breath and consequently of ammunition this produced a gradual cessation of firing and by degrees the ships separated the admiral like lord howe on the first of june preserving his position though very much mauled and the housekeeper like the montague running down to join her associates a few random shots were exchanged as they parted and at every second or third step on the stairs mrs margaret brought to and fired until both were quite out of range a distinct rumbling noise was heard and the admiral concluded by muttering that she might go somewhere but the word died between his teeth there admiral said i did not i tell you that you would have a squall squall yes damn my blood wiping his face how the spray flew from the old beldam she's fairly wetted my trousers by god who'd ever thought that such a purring old bitch could have shown such a set of claws water the knife by heavens i'll make her remember this notwithstanding the admiral's threat hostilities ceased from that day the cock and hen admiral found it convenient to show a white feather interest stood in the way and barred him from taking his revenge mrs jellybag was a faithful servant and our host neither liked that she should be interfered with or that his house should become an arena for such conflicts and the admiral who was peculiarly tenacious of undrawing the strings of his purse found it convenient to make the first advances the affair was therefore amicably arranged the tomcat was in consideration of his sufferings created a baronet and was ever afterwards dignified by the title of sir h humbug who certainly was the most eligible person to select for godfather as he had taken the most effectual means of weaning him from the pomps and vanities of this wicked world it was now about one o'clock for this dispute had run away with the best part of the morning when sir hurricane said come youngster don't forget your engagements you know i have got to introduce you to my pretty cousins you must mind your p's and q's with the uncle for he is a sensible old fellow he has read a great deal and thinks america the first and greatest country in the world we accordingly proceeded to the residence of the fair strangers whom the admiral assured me had come to halifax from mere curiosity under the protection of their uncle and aunt we knocked at the door and the admiral inquired if mrs mufflin was at home 
we were answered in the affirmative the servant asked our names vice-admiral sir hurricane humbug said i and mr mildmay the drawing-room door was thrown open and the man gave our names with great propriety in we walked a tall grave-looking elderly lady received us standing bolt upright in the middle of the room the young ladies were seated at their work my dear mrs mufflin said the admiral how do you do i am delighted to see you and your fair niece is looking so lovely this morning the lady bowed to this compliment a courtesy she was not quite up to allow me to introduce my gallant young friend mildmay young ladies take care of your hearts he is a great rogue i assure you though he smiles so sweet upon you mrs mufflin bowed again to me hoped i was very well and inquired how long i had been in these parts i replied that i had just returned from a cruise but that i was no stranger in halifax come officer said the admiral taking me by the arm i see you are bashful i must make you acquainted with my pretty cousins this sir is miss mufflin her christian name is deliverance she is a young lady whose beauty is her least recommendation a very equivocal compliment thought i this sir is miss jemima this is miss temperance and this is miss deborah now that you know them all by name and they know you i hope you will contrive to make yourself both useful and agreeable a very pretty sinecure thinks i to myself just as if i had not my hands full already however as i never wanted small talk for pretty faces i began with jemima they were all pretty but she was a love yet there was an awkwardness about them that convinced me they were not of the bon ton of philadelphia the answers to all my questions were quick pert and given with an air of assumed consequence at the same time i observed a mode of expression which though english was not well-bred english did you come through the united states said i into the british territory or did you come by water oh by water screamed all the girls at once and liked to have been eaten up with the nasty roaches i did not exactly know what was meant by roaches but it was explained to me soon after i inquired whether they had seen a british man-of-war and whether they would like to accompany me on board of that which i belonged to they all screamed out at the same moment no we never have seen one and should like to see it of all things when will you take us to-morrow said i if the day should prove fine here the admiral who had been making by-play with the old chaperone turned round and said well mr frank i see you are getting on pretty well without my assistance oh we all like him very much said temperance and he says he will take us on board his ship softly my dear said the aunt we must not think of giving the gentleman the trouble until we are better acquainted i am sure aunt said deborah we are very well acquainted then said the aunt seeing she was in the minority suppose you and sir hurricane come and breakfast with us to-morrow morning at eleven o'clock after which we shall all be very much at your service here the admiral looked at me with one of his impudent leers and burst into a loud laugh but i commanded my countenance very well and rebuked him by a steady and reserved look 
i shall have great pleasure said i to the lady in obeying your orders from eleven to-morrow morning till the hour of dinner when i am engaged so saying we both bowed wished them a good morning and left the room the door closed upon us and i heard them all exclaim what a charming young man i went on board and told the first lieutenant what i had done he very good-naturedly said he would do his best though the ship was not in order for showing and would have a boat ready for us at the dockyard stairs at one o'clock the next day i went to breakfast at the appointed hour the admiral did not appear but the ladies were all in readiness and i was introduced to their uncle a plain civil-spoken man with a strong nasal twang the repast was very good and as i had a great deal of work before me i made hay while the sun shone when the rage of hunger had been a little appeased i made use of the first bell to inquire if a lady whom i once had the honour of knowing was any relation of theirs as she bore the same name and came like them from philadelphia oh dear yes indeed she is a relation said all the ladies together we have not seen her this seven years when did you see her last i replied that we had not met for some time but that the last time i had heard of her she was seen by a friend of mine at turin on the po the last syllable was no sooner out of my mouth than tea coffee and chocolate was out of theirs all spurting different ways just like so many young grampuses they jumped up from the table and ran away to their rooms convulsed with laughter leaving me alone with their uncle i was all amazement and i own felt a little annoyed i asked if i had made any serious lapsus or said anything very ridiculous or indelicate if i had i said i should never forgive myself sir said mr mifflin i am very sure you meant nothing indelicate but the refined society of philadelphia in which these young ladies have been educated attaches very different meanings to certain words to what you do in the old country the back settlements for instance so called by our ancestors we call the western settlements and we apply the same term by analogy to the human figure and dress this is a mere little explanation which you will take as it is meant it cannot be expected that foreigners should understand the niceties of our language i begged pardon for my ignorance and assured him i would be more cautious in future but pray tell me said i what there was in my last observation which could have caused so much mirth at my expense why sir said mr mifflin you run me hard there but since you force me to explain myself i must say that you used a word exclusively confined to bedchambers but surely sir said i you will allow that the name of a celebrated river renowned in the most ancient of our histories is not to be changed from such a refined notion of false delicacy there you are wrong said mr mifflin the french who are our instructors in everything teach us how to name all these things and i think you will allow that they understand true politeness i bowed to this dictum 
only observing that there was a point in our language where delicacy became indelicate that i thought the noble river had a priority of claim over a contemptible vessel and reverting to the former part of his discourse i said that we in england were not ashamed to call things by their proper names and that we considered it a great mark of ill-breeding to go round about for a substitute to a common word the vulgar import of which a well-bred and modest woman ought never to have known the old gentleman felt a little abashed at this rebuke and to relieve him i changed the subject hoping that the ladies would forgive me for this once and return to their breakfasts why as for that matter said the gentleman the philadelphia ladies have very delicate appetites and i dare say they have had enough finding i was not likely to gain ground on that tack i steered my own course and finished my breakfast comforting myself that much execution had been done by the ladies on the commissariat department before the po had made its appearance by the time i had finished the ladies had composed themselves and the pretty jemima had recovered the saint-like gravity of her lovely mouth decked in shawls and bonnets they expressed much impatience to be gone we walked to the dockyard where a boat with a midshipman attended and in a few minutes conveyed us alongside of my ship a painted cask shaped like a chair with a whip from the main yard-arm was let down into the boat and i carefully packed the fair creatures two at a time and sent them up there was a good deal of giggling and screaming and loud laughing which rather annoyed me for as they were not my friends i had no wish that my messmates should think they belonged to the set in halifax in which i was so kindly received at length all were safely landed on the quarter-deck without the exposure of an ankle which they all seemed to dread whether their ankles were not quite so small as mr mifflin wished me to suppose their appetites were i cannot say la aunt said deborah when i looked up in the air and saw you and deliverance dangling over our heads i thought if the rope was to break what a squash you would have come on us i am sure you would have paunched us determined to have the philadelphia version of this elegant phrase i inquired what it meant and was informed that in their country when any one had his bowels squeezed out they called it paunching well thought i after this you might swallow the po without spoiling your breakfasts the band struck up yankee doodle the ladies were in ecstasy and began to caper round the quarter-deck la jemima said deborah what have you done to the western side of your gown it is all over white this was soon brushed off but the expression was never forgotten in the ship and always ludicrously applied having shown them the ship and all its wonders i was glad to conduct them back to the shore when i met the admiral i told him i had done the honours and hoped the next time he had any female relatives he would keep his engagements and attend to them himself why now who do you think they are said the admiral think said i why who should they be but your yankee cousins why was you such a damned flat as to believe what i said eh why their father keeps a shop of all sorts at philadelphia and they were going to new york on a visit to some of their relatives when the ship they were in was taken and brought in here 
then said i these are not the bon ton of philadelphia just as much as nancy dennis is the bon ton of halifax said the admiral though the uncle as i told you is a sensible fellow in his way very well said i you have caught me for once but remember i pay you for it and i was not long in his debt had he not given me this explanation i should have received a very false impression of the ladies of philadelphia and have done them an injustice for which i could never have forgiven myself the time of our sailing drew near this was always a melancholy time in halifax but my last act on shore was one which created some mirth and enlivened the gloom of my departure my friend ned and myself had not yet had an opportunity of paying off sir hurricane humbug for telling tales to maria and for his false introduction to myself one morning we both came out of our rooms at the same moment and were proceeding to the breakfast parlour when we spied the admiral performing some experiment unfortunately for him he was seated in such a manner just clear of a penthouse as to be visible from our position and at the same time the collar of his coat would exactly intersect the segment of a circle described by any fluid projected by us over this low roof which would thus act as a conductor into the very pole of his neck the housemaid these housemaids are always the cause or the instruments of mischief either by design or neglect had left standing near the window a pail nearly filled with dirty water from the wash-hand basins etc ned and i looked at each other then at the pail then at the admiral ned thought of his maria i of my false introduction without saying a word we both laid our hands on the pail and in an instant souse went all the contents over the admiral i say what's this he roared out oh you damned rascals he knew it could only be us we laughed so immoderately that we had not the power to move or to speak while the poor admiral was spitting spluttering and coughing enough to bring his heart up you infernal villains no respect for a flag officer i'll serve you out for this the tears rolled down our cheeks but not with grief as soon as the admiral had sufficiently recovered himself to go in pursuit we thought it time to make sail we knew we were discovered and as the matter could not be made worse we resolved to tell him what it was for ned began how do you do admiral you have taken a shower bath this morning he looked up with his teeth clenched oh it's you is it yes i thought it could be no one else yes i have had a shower bath and be damned to you and that sea devil of a friend of yours pretty pass the service has come to when officers of my rank are treated in this way i'll make you both envy the tomcat beware the housekeeper admiral said ned maria has made it up with me admiral and she sends her love to you damn maria oh very well i'll tell her so said ned admiral said i do you remember when you sent the blank to sea in a gale of wind when i was midshipman of her well i just got as wet that night as you are now pray admiral have you any commands to the mrs mifflin i'll tell you when i catch hold of you said sir hurricane as he moved upstairs to his room dripping like pope's ladona only not smelling so sweet 
hearing a noise the housekeeper came up and all the family assembled to condole with the humid admiral but each enjoying the joke as much as ourselves we however paid rather dearly for it the admiral swore that neither of us should eat or drink in the house for three days and ned's father though ready to burst with laughter was forced in common decency to say that he thought the admiral perfectly right after so gross a violation of hospitality i went and dined on board my ship ned went to a coffee-house but on the third morning after this shower i popped my head into the breakfast parlour and said admiral i have a good story to tell you if you will let me come in i'll see you damned first you young scum of a fish-pond be off or i'll shy the ham at your head no but indeed my dear admiral it is such a nice story it is one just to your fancy well then stand there and tell it but don't come in for if you do i stood at the door and told him the story well now said he that is a good story and i will forgive you for it so with a hearty laugh at my ingenuity he promised to forgive us both and i ran and fetched ned to breakfast this was the safest mode we could have adopted to get into favour for the admiral was a powerful gigantic fellow that could have given us some very awkward squeezes the peace was very honourably kept and the next day the ship sailed End of chapter 24